How Long Gone, coming to you live from New York City, both of us, uh, different locations, but both in New York City. Jason, how are you feeling? Mm, I'm f- I'm full. I just ate Sue Ann. I mean, that's not really a filling. Did you get the famous uh, guacamole there? I got, I got the edamame guacamole and a macro plate that's the chris order actually that's funny that that's that's literally exactly what i get How, what's your dressing story miso tahini of course <laughs> i mean crazy. that's what i got too crazy that's i think that's kind of the house dressing is my understanding because the mm-hmm. the miso tahini also comes as a spread for the cornbread mm. um which is a nice a nice combo that does as well nice yeah it was, but i mean eating a big bowl of of steamed vegetables and that's true brown rice and the bean of the day. That's true. The, the bean of the day. <laughs> yeah, the bean the bean of the day. <laughs> once, yeah, bean so of, once bean of the day hits, all bets I'm are I'm full, off. but it's not a bad full. It's a hearty, heartwarming, clean, clean full. Yeah. A clean, hearty full. Did you Were you able to get a coffee maybe on the walk back to get your kind of blood flowing again? Or Well, no. I got a coffee before we went. Uh, I went with friend of the show, Liam. And we went. We're going to meet there at 1230. We show up not open until 1 p.m. <laughs> so we we went and had a they don't cortado at abrajo. They don't open till damn you had a Chris you had a full Chris East Village. I know you were missing out. Damn that. Yeah, the but I, I was I was kind of I was talking to Liam about this about how how kind of I I respect and I like how audacious and ridiculous it is for a restaurant to open at 1 p.m. You know, yeah, what I yeah mean? same, same. You can't hate but stand. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't hate, but I'll also be exasperated if I go there at 12:30 and can't eat till one. You know, it's a, it's a, it's one of those situations where I, I respect it. But how many, um, how many dogs and strollers do you have to kick out of the way to get into a brasso, <laughs> or was it just? Well, since we showed up at 12:59. There were no customers. That's perfect. But many, many, many to-go orders were were shipped and delivered before uh, my food hit the table. <laughs> but you know, Biden's America. That's a, well. That's a big. That's a no. I was saying at a brasso is what I was saying. Oh. That, that's more of a scene. But you didn't have a treat there, did you? No, 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 no. I just we just had coffee. But there was there was like there were no dogs. That's good. They they had a no dog policy, which was rare to see in New York. I was telling you this earlier, but. Uh, I have seen, and and Carolyn commented on this as well, way more dogs indoors at restaurants in New York than Los Angeles. What's up with that, bro? I don't know if I can say the same, but I also don't know if I pay attention. I just, I don't like dogs anywhere, so I don't even, I don't even know if I notice. You don't pay attention. No, I'm saying I don't think I notice them I just notice them constantly and I don't like them, whether it's on the street where they belong, whether it's a dog park, whether mm-hmm. it's a restaurant, a grocery store. I don't care where they are. They should be at home behind a gate where I don't have to look at it. Um, but <laughs> behind a gate, but I do think that, yeah, should I mean, be in a kill shelter if you ask me, but no, I know. wouldn't go that far. I think to all, all, all lives matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the cockroach, huh? <laughs> Yeah, even the even the co- even the cockroach. Cockroach ain't do anything to you. They don't give you any diseases. They don't bite you. They don't give you poison. They just want to chill. That's. But they, are you, you talking about? They want to. They just. This is what cockroach says. You gonna finish that? That's it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you done? Is the my question to you is are these dogs small and like in a in a bag? Mostly, or are they like, mostly. Okay. But sometimes they're yeah. out. Sometimes they're wagon. I think in 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 L. A. It's like you have to have the paperwork. It has to be a service dog, and it's like a whole thing, and everyone's like, eh. but in New York, I think everyone's just like, 
uh, it's it's easier to just let them rock and then if something yeah. bad happens then we can we can say it but ask for for ask for forgiveness not for permission type vibes yeah but it, it really is one of those things that that is is giving los angeles so much more than new york but the times are changing, aren't they? Now that we're in a monoculture, everything everything is the same, bro. You know, I've been I've been saying that. I sent you um, a story that came across my desk um, from one of a platform I try not to click on, Slate, uh, but it's a it's basically an expose on the scam that we all know and some of us used, clear. Mm-hmm. at the airport a profit seeking entity has no place in a federally mandated process and there's nothing hazy about that is the is the deck of the story Ooh, nothing hazy about it that's nice i haven't been able to you know make it all the way through but it is it is getting to the point where i think there's going to be a clear reckoning you know and i, I don't mm. think it's gonna, i don't think it's going to end with slate i think there's going to be some bigger fishes yeah fighting yeah well i i had some firsthand experience with this on the flight over here carolyn and i we went and used the clear line obviously holiday season airports going crazy so this is the time where we're grateful to have priority entrance we've paid the money we did the paperwork we did the retinal scan piss test dna swabbing so now we get to go in the expedited line. I, I I use no hyperbole when I say that we had to. I had to show my ID to four different people <laughs> when I used Clear, the system that is designed to, to not ever have to produce identification. Well, the th- the thing about Clear is that somehow they found people dumber than tsa <laughs> agents to employ and that is what's shocking about it that you're paying a service <laughs> for someone who can't read good to ask you to see your id five yeah. times that that's the issue i have with it doesn't it seems like the the kind of inmates are ruling the asylum mm-hmm. type vibe yeah and I, it doesn't <laughs> work for me I, I noticed so nowadays you know as the crow flies wherever you're traveling the only real difference now between a clear employee and a tsa employee is people who work for clear are allowed to listen to music while they're working and (laughs) and tsa people are not that's the the sole difference so you're saying that the the government puts their foot down at airpods as a tsa agent (laughs) clear kind of lets you rock the right one while you check people I've, i've never i've never been helped by a clear employee who did not have one one headphone, one AirPod, one Bose, <laughs> Bro, one so Beats by Dre in ear. Well, that's the other fucked up going part. On. That's the other fucked up part I'm noticing a lot lately is could be listening to Huberman. I don't know. I see people like leaving a pretty low paying job, like young people. You know what I mean? Like they're doing what exactly what they should be doing. We all had low paying jobs at that age. All mm. of these young people have seven hundred dollar AirPod Maxes on. <laughs> and I'm just starting to wonder what's going on. Like what or do you think that that generation is prioritizing the AirPod Max over food and water? Do you think they have six roommates so they can rock the AirPods Max? I just don't. I, I see it on people that literally work at Pret, and I'm like, this mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. The answer is yes, yes, and all yes. I mean, this the same. I think it's this. I think it's now because the the you know the the seven hundred dollar headphones are a piece of wearable fashion and status symbol yeah it's the same thing as all of our friends who don't make very much money who drive 
nice leased cars that they can't afford and wear Margella pants and all this shit. It's just like, yeah, I, I straight up don't have other things in my life that most people have, like food and water and shelter and all that shit, because it's worth it to me to be able to walk around with these dope headphones on. <laughs> I need to. The priorities are not straight, but you know, that's that's been going on. I mean, we've all known those people. Oh, you know, sure. People in high school and everything were just like. Well, I mean, it's the you same. Have minimum wage job with the pot is on. The, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's the same idea as the guys in L.A. who you know eating saltines for dinner. Got the G wagon in front and the at the one bedroom apartment in North Hollywood. You know, it's it's the priorities are out of whack. Um, but that's kind of what our society. We, it's not their fault. You know, it's the pressures of society, Jason. They can't. Yeah, and I guess if if you live in New York or another walkable metropolitan urban sprawl you don't have your car note you don't have the hellcat doing 1200 <laughs> on the on the chase i didn't even every month i didn't have to so I, you can afford the cans i didn't have to tint the windows or anything so it's nothing for me to buy buy mm -hmm. headphones that i don't need i mean i guess though it's 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 i respect it more to buy something like that strictly for aesthetic purposes versus pretending to understand audio fidelity Oh yeah, yeah. It's all aesthetic. You know what I mean? That that that's like that's even worse to me. So I I kind of appreciate that this just it's out in the open. I only care about what these look like. It doesn't really matter mm -hmm. what they sound like. That's, that's cooler. They're not mixing engineers. They're not. They're not mixing engineers. I wanted to <laughs> um. I wanted to give a shout out to a friend of the show, uh, Uncle Paulie, for his new Las Vegas location that just opened. It just uh, it's open now. Yeah, I think it's open. I think it's open. Sick. So if you're in Vegas, if you're going to kind of um lose your family and house uh because you have a gambling problem um mm -hmm. you know where to get a sandwich kind of right after you <laughs> right after you kind of right right after kind of you lost it all after the fifth you know free uh vodka soda at the craps table um and mm -hmm. the you know you brought the house note from the lockbox you know it's it's a great <laughs> place to it's a great place to just grab a blt and kind of wash your sorrows away you know what i mean i'm there i'm i will be there for avn this year as i am every year and i'll i'll be expensing those those trays those party platters I think, the gubba I, think we, I think we need to do a, a a them jeans special at at uncle paulie's las vegas during the avn conference i think this is a great idea well, i mean if i go for ces of course but avn just happens to be going on at the same time i don't know who, why. Do, you, who do you think who do you think's eating better the AVN crowd or the CES crowd? <sighs> I think Tough it's question. I think it's the AVN crowd because the CES crowd, those are the people getting the Wagyu sliders at Hakkasan. You know, it's it's all vanity food, is gold flake bullshit going on. It's true. AVN people, those they're going they're going off strip for the Philly cheese steak. They're doing <laughs> those are people Philly who cheese are, steak. <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're eating alone. The food is for prioritizing enjoyment and pleasure, not for networking and impressing clients. You're jacking off alone. You're eating alone. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And we're, don't worry. I, I got a new PlayStation if you guys want to check it out. Um, no, that, that, oh, is, nice. that is the vibe. At, at I mean, I've been to see. Have you been to? I've actually been one time. Yeah, I've, I DJed an event for Cisco. They, have a, they had a great router that was dropping <laughs> that year. <laughs> And I DJed <laughs> a Cisco Systems party Damn, in, in like a you know a, a luxury yeah. suite in some hotel. Car Cartel literally played a Sony PlayStation release event at because they were on a Sony-owned record label. 
so it, it all made sense they probably got more money than i did i'm, I'm guessing we did pretty good on that one yeah but that mm-hmm. was it was mm-hmm. a, it was was it worth it i don't know i'm still thinking about it today of course you know, no i mean but because back then you know there was no there was no digital paparazzi social media anything like that so you could play a party in vegas for a private trade show and nobody will be the wiser except for people at the uh at the water cooler on monday you know <laughs> yeah except all those cisco <laughs> yeah, those guys rocked cisco employees hitting you up asking you to send them some remix links on youtube the next day because they love your set so much you know a guy girl talk <laughs> Have you heard of him? You heard of this guy? We sent him a couple routers. He didn't run his back. Do you know if he could maybe <laughs> put in the good word for us? Um, okay. Uh, we do have a guest today, um, uh, Moshe Kasher, who is um, a comedian. And I I first started to, to know his work from the famous and excellent uh, podcast that he did with Neil Brennan called Champs. The Champs, which was, I mean, honestly, one of the first podcasts I think I really listened to. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Legendary. Uh, it was, it's yeah. You can go back and listen if you want, but he's got a he's got a new book out, correct? And it is called I don't know what it's called. It's What's called, it called I believe it's called Subculture Vulture. That's right. It's called Subculture Vulture, and it it it's kind of broken down by subcultures correct mm-hmm. kind of like what he participated in and like the themes of his life in an overarching way yeah it's a it's a it's kind of one part memoir mon, one part um just kind of uh observations on how the internet has changed subcultures and now you know mass cultures like uh taylor swift fandom mm-hmm. or being into sports or something like that have now become because of social media it's it's the same thing, but they make it feel like it's a, a real subculture. So it's kind mm. of like a subculture simulation. Mm. Um, it's very very Kyle Chaka type mm-hmm. type stuff with with some comedy woven in, um, and all of his subcultures. I'm trying to remember them, but they're because I read the book, but it was a while ago, so I've I I plum forgotten most of it. But um, <laughs> and mo- most of them are couldn't be more relevant to my interests. One of them being 90s rave culture uh one of them being comedy uh burning man uh growing up with a deaf parent okay so that one that one you can't relate to but the other ones make sense for you and also and i believe being jewish okay well you tried we we're both a couple guys who are dj slash comedians and the few the proud so let's give them a jingle (laughs) we're gonna get into all that and more Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, 
but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Uh, we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on. I compromise every day, Jason, as you know, because that's kind of part of being a good friend and partner. Oh, wow. I am forced to keep food in my refrigerator against my will um, <laughs> because my wife demands it. Uh, but when it comes to your health, Jason, there's absolutely no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, or their crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or because they take your slightly sketchy insurance. I know you have sketchy insurance, Jason. Instead, <laughs> check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and most importantly, prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc, You've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. All these doctors are real with verified reviews from actual patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top rated patient reviewed credible doctors and specialists near you, or if you want to book one far away from you, that's your decision. <laughs> Go to ZocDoc.com slash how long and download ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That is ZocDoc Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash how long. ZocDoc.com slash how long. The hair does look good. and Yeah, the, the hair does look good. It's on point, right? I mean, what's the point of doing that if your listeners aren't going to be able to see the quaff? Yeah, Chris. We, Chris, we need to create like a PDF document that has just a bullet point with all that info that we can send to guests. Well, look, I'm, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking on air about how good your hair looks, so it's still mm. the W. Yeah, and also you, you put the headphones behind the, the quaff, which is something I need to work on. Oh yeah, you think that was incidental or accidental <laughs> in any way? No, I tucked I, I tucked it in in such a way to know that it wouldn't flood. Just so your listeners know, my hair I have like kind of a cool faux like a faux hawk. It's a, what I call a faux hawk. It's like a not quite a mohawk. It's like a faux like a fake mohawk. But oh, you're saying you're saying I get the cool. alliteration. You're now. saying cool. Yeah, it's like it's like cool. It's okay. like a, I predict. Uh, that it's a style that's going to really take off. Okay, so you heard it here first. Uh, the faux hawk is coming soon. Boots on the ground. Well, another thing that I, another thing I've been working on is, um, you know, you know the phrase heterosexual. Mm, sure, I've heard that. Yeah. Well, but often heterosexuality has been trapped by these ideas of like masculinity and being tough and stuff. So I'm working on a thing where heterosexual men, such as myself, can enjoy uh, grooming products and uh, fancy clothes, and we're calling ourselves. Metero, metrosexual. Okay, so it's M E T E R O. That's that's yeah. a, okay. That's a little. You got a lot of new ideas, Moshe. This is yeah, pretty impressive. I'm kind of, well, I was the guy that originally said the ocean is powerful. You have to respect it. <laughs> um, 
and communism is a good idea in theory. That was all, yeah. those are all my yeah. but those are older ideas, and now I'm working yeah. on new stuff. No, I'm glad I'm glad that you're kind of pushing forward. That's what we Give need. It up we need for Mother Ocean. One we time. need we need thought leaders like you to yeah. kind of keep <laughs> keep okay. this nation on track. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So what's up, bro? How's it hanging? Oh, uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, oh, that's the start. Yeah, hell yeah, it's hanging really. It's, it's really good. Things are great. <laughs> Can I ask you? I, I want to ask you a question because it looks like you're in a restaurant that serves avocado toast, but this is your house, <laughs> or is this an office? I would say that's an aggressive flex for a first question because it is my house. <laughs> I do live here, and it's not just a house, guys, but it's a, it's actually a podcast. You're, I don't know why I did that. I just did a visual move so that. So you guys could see the branding <laughs> for my podcast. This is where you guys. This this is where you guys record your podcast. Yeah, this is our um, our downstairs uh, of our house. It's our basement. So you have, so you have two flo- two floors, three. How are we doing? I mean, we're doing pretty good. Well, we've sold a lot of avocado toast. Let me. I'll just say it okay. like that. <laughs> You're like, yeah. We're moving. You know, we charge two dollars for the poached egg. It's they're you flying know, out the door. Here here in New York, Chris and I had lunch yesterday, and they said there's an avocado shortage. And they were not allowing him to sub. But I think over in Cali, the avos are flowing fine right now, right? Well, we make that's, I mean, this is avocado country, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's terrifying here. I'll be honest with you guys. It's terrifying. You walk outside, uh, carjackings, there's uh, like they take your house from you. There's housejackings now. So you become unhoused <laughs> if you walk out on the streets in LA. <laughs> Everything about LA is, a, is a, and just California in general, House a violent, violent. Uh, hellscape but the avocados are like straight up everywhere yeah yeah that's the one kind of thing you can count on <laughs> to be clear i i do live in los angeles i'm just i just happen to be in new york at the moment well i uh, i was gonna say uh the idea that a house could have two floors being a shock is a very new york <laughs> kind of sentiment you know i just think i haven't heard someone that's around my age talk about their basement in a while unless they li- <laughs> unless they live in a suburban area kind of you know what i mean like if it was your man cave and you lived in if you're a st louis podcaster perhaps. yeah exactly, exactly hold on go back a bit what did you say my what cave your man cave okay i don't know if you just came up with that but that's a fucking brilliant bit of branding you should definitely go with that there's something to that you could like get a brown leather couch and like a keg mini fridge and like a plasma tv darts yeah yeah definitely some darts yeah a a humidor for my cigar darts darts are a little unisex though so i'm not loving that for the cave oh you're saying like it's too egalitarian of a sport Uh, (laughs) yes yes exactly exactly Uh, well we could play a game that i like to call dip the dick and it's 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 a cornhole uh it's a cornhole um stand but instead of throwing the, the cornhole in you just it's a bunch of guys and you get in a line and then you just dip the dick mm-hmm. and it's really fun and the fellows like it that's actually that's that's what jason does at the equinox uh in glendale sauna. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> it's a similar different game. yeah it's an iteration of it's dip a, the dick but it's uh it's, yeah, it's, it's less it's metrosexual <laughs> yeah more yeah it's leaning homo if, if i have yeah. to if i do say so myself <laughs> if i do say so myself so you hold on so i want to you you converted your basement suite into a studio for podcasting. Well, to be honest, um, uh, we had the basement suite. I'm going to be really real with you guys because I feel like I can trust you mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Cards on the table. The basement s- decoration, and so for those just listening, uh, we have the walls are, are papered with uh, palm fronds. Uh, <laughs> I would say it's uh, if you think hipster scum, but from about eight years ago, yes. that's the kind of... That's the kind of uh, uh, decorative energy that we're giving. <laughs> so we, 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 
It, this used to be, we moved into a house, um, the, the woman was 80 when we bought it from her and she had moved in when she was three. So uh, everything in here was like extreme, like time capsule energy. Um, and so we made like a screening room downstairs to watch movies and stuff. And then it was so nice, we thought that it, we turned it into our podcasting studio. Okay. Well, look, that's So this is a, so you're saying these are original furnishings. What I'm saying is we didn't do this because we thought it would be a quirky set. We did this because we live like this. <laughs> okay. okay. This, is, yeah. this shit is every day, bro. This shit. Mm -hmm. You thought. You thought. I, don't play with me. Not new to this. You truth. thought you thought, but you didn't think. You had thought wrong. Okay. I, right there. I, I mean, I, I'm clear on that. I, I mean, that's, I, a, that's, a, that's a dream and a goal of, of mine. 1,000%. Hopefully, I'll be there one day, man. Well, do you know my wife at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm married to like the fanciest. It's not like this is me. I mean, this is like. <laughs> oh, I was. I'm very me. clear on that. It's not you. That that. Okay. Yeah. I I do like basic masculinity quality control when it comes to the design. Like I'm like <laughs> perhaps perhaps not a, like a, a a an armoire from uh, an Edwardian armoire. Perhaps that would make me feel <laughs> a little bit a little bit too emasculated. You put your mm -hmm. little foot down when you you need to. Yeah, I put my tiny little hoof down when I have to. <laughs> Big dick swinging now. That's right. That's called dip, uh, dick dipping. Right there. <laughs> so you choosing you choose your battles when it comes to decor. What about when you guys go out to eat? You you making those choices or are you kind of having to tag along? Well, I'm also um, a Jewish person, so I have <laughs> other battles when it comes to going out to eat. Like, like when the check comes. I mean, yes. I didn't like that you got ahead of me on that joke. Like that felt like my joke to be able to make and not necessarily yours. Well, most people say I'll clean that up in post, but I'll dirty that up in post and make it yours. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a shit on that in post. But yes, I did. I got we we went out to eat um, like a, about two years ago, and she ordered the steak, and it was like a you know. Have you not noticed that everything is like I don't understand how people eat anymore like the steak was was eighty dollars and i go it's tuesday we're not this isn't our anniversary like why are you getting there's a burger like why are you getting the steak it's just you want a steak let's go to sizzler and she kind of checked me like um i'm a grown woman and i don't need you to ever mm -hmm. give any input on what i menu items i order and i kind of had to hear her on that a little bit but uh but then later that night uh, you know, when she, after she went to bed in the mirror, I kind of, I, I had a, a more serious talking to about like who I am and daddy's here. And I make the, I make the choice, these choices. Yeah. 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 You, you, you're the kind of guy who likes to order for his wife. That's right. She is, she doesn't get to speak to the, the service people. Yeah. But I don't tell her that. So I just kind of, I come down to my man cave. Uh, mm. I'm going to give you the copyright on that and I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll, that's an affirmation for me. You gave her a real lashing in the mirror to yourself. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Listen up. Beep. Um, yeah, we were talking in the intro how we both are, are old fans of, of listening to the champs back in the day. Oh, thank you very much. I missed that. RIP. Yeah. I, I said to Jason, I, and I think this might be true. I think that might be the first podcast I ever really listened to. D do you know what I mean? Like really listen to, you know, when they talk about in, in hip hop parlance, um, f is it called fumbling the bag? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I can't think, I can't think of a time that I fumbled the bag harder than when we walked away from that podcast. Like we missed, really? we missed the sweet spot of podcasting by, I would say, uh, two weeks. <laughs> like we decided to like call it quit. You're like the guy, you're the guy who drops out of high school in the, in the fourth, in the fourth quarter. You're like, you know what? Yeah, I just yeah, can't, yeah, I can't yeah. finish this. I can't finish this. I just feel like if we had held on working together for a year, I would be, mm -hmm. 
uh, let's just say there'd be more than two stories to this house. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, don't worry, the bottom's falling out of podcasting now. Yeah, but I would have liked to have been there during the time that they put the bottom on it. <laughs> yeah, when they installed the bottom, you could have... He would have liked to have had the opportunity to sell before it dips. I would have liked the opportunity to have done a special episode of my podcast where I talk about how my network ripped me off. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to do that. Not to, to, to say that my podcast is not very successful, the Endless Honeymoon podcast. It is. It's just the champs was <laughs> yeah. we were right before the the tsunami, and I feel like we would have been uh, uh we w- we would have been we could have been something, kid. Did you? But did you stop doing it for a reason, or was it just like time had run its course? You know, uh, we did a, a fatal blow. I think we when we were starting that podcast, we were like, it would be funny if like. You know, Neil Brennan is uh, obviously uh, has written on a lot of black TV and, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, and was the Chappelle Show co-creator guy. And I have this like history of like when I was a kid being like, you know, this little wannabe gangster, like super wish I was black type of guy. And then we were both like grown up white men. Mm -hmm. We thought it would be funny to use our uh, I don't know what the even word is that uh, won't get you in trouble, but to use our sort of. Uh, culture, the culture adjacentness <laughs> mm-hmm. to do a podcast where we interviewed black celebrities. That was that was the concept, yes, of, of course. The and uh, is it? I don't know if it's problematic or not. But more importantly, anytime you put a stricture on yourself for booking, it becomes. I'm sure you know this. Like it mm-hmm. becomes like really by the by year three of of the booking process, you're like <laughs> pulling your fucking hair out, going, "Why did we do this? Why didn't we just say anybody?" But we've already established the premise mm-hmm. so hard, it's hard to walk it back. So I think that was part of it, and part of it was that it ran its course, and part of it was that. I think Neil wanted to do ayahuasca. Yeah, no, sure, sure. You can't find yourself if you have to record every week. That's right. tough. That's that's kind of <laughs> tough. You're bi- you're kind of busy. Yeah, I think yeah. that the um, it, it's just uh, I, we talk about this a lot with po- I, I don't podcasts love to pigeon I, it, like what you're talking about. Like, oh, we we do this. Like, this is what we do. That's our thing. And I'm like. I feel the same way. Like, why would you do that? That really is going to fuck you up later because you're going to get sick of this shit. Well, I think the problem is that people have an anxiety. I remember when we started The Champs, I had a conversation with Dave Anthony from the Dalla podcast. Do you know him? Do you know that podcast? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I know the podcast, yeah. And I was like, oh, we're thinking about starting a podcast, but we feel like it's a little late. And so this was, that was, I don't know, (laughs) 10, 11 years ago. And we thought we were late to the game. And he said, um everyone on earth has a smartphone in their pocket there's an there's an uh, it, it is a ponzi scheme with an unlimited amount of uh, uh of potential customers and and so when we started it thinking we were late 11 years ago we already were like we should have a concept and i think now people feel like the world is so saturated with uh concepts that they have to have a concept or it'll be boring and then once you get once you meet the reality of what that concept has uh handcuffed you for you're like damn i wish we never had but it's, mm. it is too late. It's too late. No, like you, you're you're a, you're a, you're a living proof that it was too late. But I think people need a concept when they're just simply not really good at talking. And if you're really good, like you and Neil are, you don't. You never need a concept. You just go. You just you're just inherently funny and good at talking. You know what's funny about that? Of uh, speaking of which, is I went to a live podcast recording uh, recently. I don't want to. Oh, oh, last night, but we don't know when this was recorded because I don't want to give away what podcast. Well, I feel bad because it's my it's my favorite podcast. Okay. Our show. It's funny. Our our show was Friday at Webster Hall in New York. I didn't know you were there. Uh, it's my second favorite co- podcast. No, but this would actually speak to to what happened to you guys Friday. Even though I wasn't mm-hmm. there, I'm going to assume because okay. it's not a it's not a comedy podcast 
And I mean, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just say it. The podcast was called Is Ear Hustle. And I love it. It's like mm-hmm. one of the most like beautiful fuck it's a it's a, a podcast can you tell me is, i don't know what this is so can you tell me so it's ear hustle it was it's recorded in was begun inside of san quentin it's a it's a oh um, okay okay, a, okay. Uh, like an npr style journalist and then uh incarcerated people uh, that will work as as the the inside journalists and i love the podcast so much uh i listen to every episode super religiously and i went to their live show last night and don't get me wrong it was beautiful and it was good and there were emotional moments but i came away going oh my god comedians are fucking gods like we are so we are it is so we are at such an insane advantage when it comes to this porting from like a recorded medium to a live medium like people come to my live show for the endless honeymoon podcast or your live show and they're going to be like you're going to be off the cuff unscripted having a good time and it's going to be this like more funny than the recorded it's just going to be a whole different experience mm-hmm. you could feel they did like a icebreaker game during this live pod literally like a, <laughs> like a guy from another podcast came out and was like we're going to do an office icebreaker i was just like Oh, comedians <laughs> for all our warts are it, you don't want to you don't you, you never want to bet against the comedian in a live show. Yeah. I mean just just simply like the the thought of dead air happening while you're holding a microphone is just your brain can't handle it, I'm sure, right? I, and 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 like I I they were reading the script to this live podcast. And like I said, it was nice. It was a nice night, but it's like mm-hmm. when I do a live podcast, nobody's nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows what's about to occur, and it's and it is and it is as fun as fun as you can get in a live. I mean, this sounds like I'm bragging. I'm talking about comedy generally. It just made me realize what a what a hard muscle comedy is when it comes to live podcast. We've learned that. We've had to learn that because we. I think we had to come to terms with the fact that that's actually what we were doing because because that is what you're doing. If people aren't laughing and having fun, what's the point? You, you know what I right. mean? They don't come to us for like information gathering. That's not, that's not, you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, we had a real reckoning when I like probably ate an edible and I was like, by golly, I'm, I'm doing live improv on stage every night. <laughs> what in the world is happening? Is, like, podca- that's the closest, closest is podcasting thing just improv? Really? If you think about it, I mean, but, I don't know. But we're, I, I think the reason why we love doing a live podcast so much, where if you already have the built in audience, they just are happy to see you up there being you and doing your thing. There's nobody in the crowd is unaware of you. Like they're all obsessed with you and they know everything you're going to say. But, you know, you you have to sort of cut your teeth in front of a room full of people who oftentimes don't know you. You know what I mean? As as just a stand up, you're saying. Mm -hmm. As a stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going over to Denver for three nights and you'll have a lot of fans, but you'll also have some walk ups too. You know. Well, that's kind of stanza one of of. of headlining comedy is is you know when you're a young comedian all you want to do is like headline mm-hmm. and you don't have a clue what you mean by that you think <laughs> you do but you just go i want to be a headliner and then you become a headliner and you realize oh i didn't want to be a headliner i wanted to be famous like that's how it's a whole different thing i didn't want to come be the guy that's like d- people are disinterestedly looking at and going so that's what a jew looks like in oklahoma city like you want to be the guy that people are like ah that you i love you and that takes a super long time and that's i don't know in a way that's what podcasting has uh short shortcutted is like now people can kind of find you thank the lord i feel like comedians uh i feel like there's so many comedians that are so successful that most people haven't heard of if that makes sense you know what i mean you're able to you can do very well 
financially and not be famous is what it feels like to me. Well, I don't even know what fame is anymore. I I, I feel like, uh, is that a pretty profound idea? Like, I feel like, um, <laughs> I feel like I used to have a beat on what it meant. And now it's like people that are people that are have been on a sitcom for like 10 years are like, damn, I'm struggling over here trying to get this mortgage paid. And then somebody who's like, a, you know, a teenager who made a funny face because they drank kombucha and it, made, and it made them grimace are like making $15 million in licensing deals. Like nothing really makes sense anymore. My, my podcast producer literally was like, yeah, I'm starting a podcast with the girl that made a funny face because she drank kombucha. I'm just like, I don't even know what anything is anymore. That's that. Well, you do. You just described what it's that's exactly what it's like. They're letting like, you know because in three months you're going to get bumped because it, it's going to be full time with that. Oh, a thousand percent. I don't have I don't have space anymore for you guys because kombucha <laughs> lady, she's branching out into hop waters and into other various beverages. <laughs> We're going to have to sunset. You knew she, this day was going to come. Russia. She's moving on. I mean, that's yeah, that's the reality. I mean, that's the that's the TikTok universe that we live in. Well, we were we were talking the intro um, tying it into your book, which which I actually read. Thank you for sending it over. But I read. Oh, it. you read it. I read I it. Asked yeah, yeah. I asked my publicist today, I was like, do you think, what are the odds you think they will have read it? And he said, very low. So he thought, so you guys, you, you've exceeded the expectations. Tell your publicist to suck my dick from the side. I will tell, tell Jacob. Tell, tell, tell Jacob to suck Oh, you know his name. Back. Okay. <laughs> I deal with that motherfucker all the time. And I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear to you. That raggedy bitch PR motherfucker. I did not read the book. This episode of How Long Gone is brought to you by Booking.com. Booking. Yeah, from cozy bed and breakfast to trendy boutique hotels with so many choices across the beautiful United States of America, you can book whoever you want to be. Uh, that can look like booking a five-star hotel to indulge your luxury side. That's me. Or booking a remote cabin in the woods to explore your adventurous side. So um, spring has sprung. The sun is out. The sun is shining. I can't wait to get to New York. Check out Booking.com for your ideal hotel or vacation home, no matter where you go in the U.S. Booking dot yeah. Book whoever you want to be on Booking.com. Booking dot yeah. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG, all one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raph on the nut.com <laughs> promo code how long that's neutral.com <laughs> promo code how long Okay, fair enough. So he had you pegged. Yeah, he had me well, pegged. He had you pegged. But uh, the 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 downside is I I read it 2 months ago so I've forgotten most of the beats. 
but but I, I will say that I have I it was probably one of the fastest books that I finished oh. in in recent memory. Oh, that's really nice, Jason. Are you saying that because it's written in such plain language that it's easy yes. to digest, it, or are you saying you loved it? The, so the much? subject matter was very close to me. I. I'm a person yeah. who hosts a comedy-leaning podcast who was a professional DJ. And I also cut my teeth passing out flyers at raves in the late 90s. So oh, hell yeah. There's a lot of through lines here. Well, I think like in a weird way, it does port into what we were just talking. Oh, I, I didn't want to get off before you told my publicist to suck your dick. Um, <laughs> this is going to come as a shock, but he one of the main things he wanted out of this whole thing, because this is we're recording this substantially before my book comes out, and it's, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's a part of a press junket for the book. And I asked him, I was like, why mm -hmm. so early? He's like, I'm not, this isn't really about your book. This is really about me getting in there and, and sucking some dick. So like, in, like so, <laughs> so you thinking that that's a flex to be like, tell him to suck my dick, that's all he wants. That's literally all he wants. Okay. And that's why I'm here right now. So I've walked into his trap yet again. Yeah, <laughs> you walked into his mouth yet again. <laughs> <laughs> And he will meet you at the Glendale Equinox any to any given Tuesday. My favorite movie, but but it I, I think it does tie into like this idea of like what is fame, what is culture. Like if my book and I'll, I'll has any kind of premise, it's uh, or any thesis statement, because what it is is it's a it's a memoir and I, it's my second memoir. Which I which I would like to say it's two memoirs at at whatever you know. 43 i'm guessing uh, you know i don't know maybe maybe younger yeah that's about right that's about right that's yeah. really that's impressive because books don't make any money so i'm glad you got a, you, you know you're spending a lot of time on these memoirs but also the name of your first memoir sorry to interrupt maybe the best name for a book ever mm -hmm. you might be thinking unbelievable it's book a different name. book name it's casher in the rye and you might be thinking of catcher in the rye which is a similarly titled book oh and that it was a weird coincidence that i found out about after i wrote my book but um but <laughs> casher in the rye the true tale of a white boy from oakland who became a drug addict criminal mental patient and then turned 16 is the full the full title of that bad boy Go but it ends when it ends when i'm like yeah 15 16 years old and i kept uh, people i didn't want to write like a recovery memoir mm. it's really it's that story is like the story of my sort of wayward youth going in and out of rehab and getting arrested and going into mental institutions and all this stuff when i was like really young and i didn't want to write like a uh, you know a uh, uh, how i got here how i got better i wanted to just it was sort of what they call in aa like a war story it was mm -hmm. just the story of the insanity of my childhood and I just kept, I had people asking me again and again, like, what, well, what happened next? How did you, how did you get better? What was it that occurred? And I started thinking about uh, writing that book and I didn't want to do, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not old enough to be like looking back fondly at the, uh, mm -hmm. at the world that I've come from. But what I realized was like getting sober that young, I was 15 when I got sober and getting sober that young, I was like left with this question, like, what do I do now? I had this almost like blank, like living blank slate of still being young, wanting to be cool, wanting to be like other young people, but having this like really fundamental part of my identity taken away from me, which was like just getting fucked up and like being a wild, like wannabe gangster guy. Like, what do I do next? And so I started like dipping my dick, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. into these other subcultures, into these other worlds. And that's sort of. I thought, oh, if I could write a book about the different worlds that I've lived in and these different universes that I've inhabited, that would be that would be really fun. So it's actually like it's called Subculture Vulture. And it's like 
it's one part comedic history. It's like a, a comedy rundown of each of the six like sub universes that I've spent my life in. And then at a certain point I enter the narrative of those universes and it becomes about my time in those worlds. And um, it does connect to our TikTok, what is fame, what is reality? Because I, having read it, I realized like your life at our age used to be about this like kind of accidental fumbling. Like if you would just like, stumble into like if you if if a skateboarder at your middle school was like hey you want to hang out after school your life was just all of a sudden on this weird traject on this weird ramp yeah for mm -hmm. sure and you're like yes. you're gonna start writing graffiti you're gonna start smoking blunts you're gonna start listening to hip-hop or maybe you're gonna go the punk skater route and you're gonna start going to punk shows or you know if you like reading tolkien and beetlejuice and then you saw some other person with weird eyeliner you'd be like who are you and then you'd like <laughs> shunt down this like path of you become the goth kid in your school and because of the internet that like random sort of pinball slap of where you're gonna your life is gonna bring you is much more um uh, assembly line it's much more streamlined you're gonna go down the internet path because there isn't really another path like there are variances within the path but culture is brought to you rather than you going mm -hmm. out to seek it and so this is kind of if it's anything uh, this book is is like a, a love letter to to that kind of the randomness of the of the early, of the eighties and nineties and finding your people wherever they they kind of live. Is that sincere enough? Hell yeah, that's my first time out doing that. Mm. It's funny because that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> like not not the I didn't go to any mental institutions yet, but no, like I met my friend Jay when I was twelve years old, and he had moved from somewhere else, and he got me into punk and that was it that set the course for my entire life because we were in the same like math class you know and i think about that question a lot like i i, I brought that idea up in in the because the six the six worlds are um aa and like rehab world um mm -hmm. Has, hasidic judaism and judaism which isn't i wouldn't say a classic like scene or subculture but it is this like very bizarre universe hey it's that... a scene it's a scene that i'm not welcoming <laughs> that's right <laughs> well not with that haircut anyway we look at you as a natural enemy no uh, like uh a, um the hasidic judaism and judaism was like a weird there are a, there are two that aren't like classically subcultures which is hasidic judaism and deafness and uh, and sign language interpreting. And those are more universes that I was kind of born into, but they definitely set up the, the path that is my life. So at Judaism, um, Burning Man, the, the rave scene, deafness and disability, and then sign language, uh, and then stand-up comedy. And um, in the stand-up thing, which is the last segment in the book, it's the world that I make my living from. It's the world that gives me enough cultural cachet to be writing a book. It's the reason I'm, I'm on this podcast. It's not because of my the lore of me as a, 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 a rave promoter. Mm, not exactly. <laughs> I realized like... For this for this one and only podcast. Well, because you, yeah, and, I, yeah, you that, and I are so connected in that way. But um, that's right, I realized like, you know, I was I was in college and I was studying acting and playwriting and I was trying to like be a monologist at one point. I was like, I thought like I'd be like Eric Bogosian and Spalding Gray, like that would be mm -hmm. my. And then I took this random trip to New York uh, on a summer vacation, and Chelsea Peretti, who's an old friend that I went to middle school with, uh, happened to be had started stand up like a year earlier, and was like, oh, I'm doing stand up now. You want to come watch the show? And then I happened to to like see that and go, ah, oh, this is the synthesis of the of the acting and the writing I've been doing. And, oh, I'll do an open mic with you when you come to the Bay Area. And, oh, I got the bug there. And then 
oh, I stuck around long enough to make a career out of it. And then I met my wife and then I had a kid and then I have this life. It's like, you look back, if I hadn't gone to New York that summer, like if I mm-hmm. hadn't been, if I had been busy that night when she was doing stand up, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm taking in a Sondheim play to prepare for my life in the theater. Like <laughs> I, if I had just been, if anything had gone differently, I, my whole life, my whole universe would have been different. I wouldn't be sitting in this basement. I wouldn't be talking to you. I wouldn't have this wallpaper. I would never have met my daughter. I wouldn't be, I'd be married to another woman doing like social work in the Bay Area, whatever it is. Like, that is uh, um, the way life is like only in only can you like in hindsight, can you ever look back and see a pattern? But uh, but that's what this sort of book is about, is about this, like, just like you, like if you hadn't been in that 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 hallway that day when your punk rock friend said you want to hang out sometime, you're just a different you're, you're a different human right now. And I think that's a really kind of I, I am fascinated with that journey. Do you think that happens less now because of social media and the Internet and your life being served to you versus having to go out and find your life I mean, I, organically? I don't want to overstate. I don't want to make it seem like everybody's life now is like a conveyor belt. But I think that the yeah. that these random like like trapdoor openings into like another universe, I think that that magic, and I think it really is like magical, I think it is uh, lessened. I think that... Definitely. I think, and you can see it in culture, like culture... Uh, and there's parts of this that are really positive, but you can see it in culture. Like you can see people like rapping over techno or Ed Sheeran will be playing guitar on a Nicki Minaj song or, uh, you know, like a, a country music star will have like will set will have like sag their pants and be wearing a beanie and a and a rapper will be doing a country track like there's part of that that's really cool. And really awesome. It means that cultures have like touched each other in the way that there used to be these like sort of segregated, you know, uh, walls that you couldn't get past. And I think that is actually really cool. But part of what's been lost, anytime you go forward, you lose something. What's been lost is these like um, these little like tunnels of 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 subculture where things were really kind of you would really find this like universe that you didn't. It, I, I described it in the book as like, uh, you know, like the classic story when you're a kid is like you're you're a weak orphan that nobody likes you're harry potter you're 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 the <laughs> narnia kids you're just this like little loser and then all of a sudden like something magic happens and someone comes and goes actually you've got superpowers and you didn't know that but your your hero's journey is right this way come through this door and all of a sudden you're on like this grand adventure and that's what it was like to like find your people uh, I feel like growing up, it's like you would step into a rave for the first time and you would just go, oh, my fucking God, I didn't know this universe existed. And like, I now am mighty and powerful and I will live in this universe. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. that's uh, a, I think that's, that's a universe I wish I never had heard of or seen. But <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you guys had your third eyes opened. At oh, sorry. Yeah, we, we weren't busy not uh, not showering and vomiting on ourselves in punk clubs. <laughs> hey, first of all, first of all, I sh- I'm a big showerer and always have been. Been. Okay, so don't fair, don't, fair. don't I never wore a butt flap or a crash shirt or anything <laughs> like that. Okay, so don't don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, we were we both grew up straight edge, so we were the clean punk contingency. I suppose I had a I have a fond memory of one time I made a grave grave error of taking <laughs> a, a taking a uh, a trip from the Bay Area to L.A. to I don't know why I was coming down, but the only space in the truck was in the in the bed of the truck, sandwiched between 
these two who they both are friends of mine that I grew up with, but they were these two like I mean the worst kind of gutter punks possible. And so I lay, I was this like clean raver kid that like using like glitter lotion and stuff like that. And these two like you had your Mickey Mouse gloves on, I, dude. Straight up, I was clean and sober the entire time I went to raves, and I had a pacifier. Pacifiers, you know, they people, ravers suck on pacifiers because they don't want to grind their teeth into little rave nubs when they're on ecstasy, you know? So that mm -hmm. was the, the, the functionality of the pacifier. But me, I was sober. So I had a pacifier only because just I thought it was Just for the vibes? Yeah, because it was cool looking. I was like, purposes. Was <laughs> just because it was cool. <laughs> I, w I was also, I too was going to raves when I was straight edge. So I was sober and I was like, I guess I'll hang out in the jungle room because at least I'm hearing some Wu-Tang remixes because... <laughs> <laughs> Tiesto wasn't really in my playbook at that moment, you know. Well, I think part of the sobriety that's interesting about the raves and the Burning Man and the other other of these world—not to say that people that are high don't have a journalistic uh, uh, mind or <laughs> yes, memory. Thank but, you, thank you, sure. thank you. But but I was very aware of my. I was the only sober person in my particular little scene, and so mm -hmm. from a from a from a journalistic looking back memory perspective, I feel like I collected memories in a kind of a different way, in a less maybe in a less maybe in a sharper way. Uh, I was able to collect in the those way memories. that you're the only one who has a memory of that. Yeah, time. right. All. And I wasn't. There were certain moments where I wasn't swept up in in like the. I, in the in the fever and i was i was able to kind of observe it so i think that that, that is that helped. what you is that what you call uh, ecstasy swept up in the fever i call it disco fever that's right <laughs> okay that's what you, you you didn't i mean i don't uh, did you like the music uh you know there's an old um how dare first of all as a punk rock fan how dare you um <laughs> And uh, did I like the music? There's an old joke in the rave scene that's really an old joke from the Grateful Dead scene, which is what did the raver say when he got sober? This music sucks. Mm -hmm. But I did not find that it sucked. I love the music. Not only do I, did I love the music, but I do love the music so much so that while I was um, writing the rave chapter, which was actually the first chapter that I wrote, and and to call it a chapter is kind of a misnomer. They're more like little mini books. They're like, you know, <laughs> 40 pages. They're, they're a true history of the entirety of the rave scene and then my time in it. But the whole time I was writing the rave section, I was listening to old mixtapes from the 90s. And and, um, and I at the end of it, you know, I am for, 43, and I thought, this is a good time to have a midlife crisis. I don't want to cheat on my wife. Uh, and I don't need it. I don't need a drop top. Of, uh, uh, so I thought, why don't I buy a DJ co uh, controller? And so I started DJing a pretty perfect time to start DJing techno and Afro house at 43 <laughs> with a very antagonistic wife who is definitely not in. She she came into my room where I was uh, mixing the other day and she goes, are you DJing at me? Is this is it a is it an assault? Or is this on purpose to upset me? This feels personal. Well, be, because of your your success podcasting and being a comedian, you you now have a place for this music. I, you put your mixes up on your Patreon for your podcast, right? Yes, I have a captive audience that, while not interested in the music, <laughs> certainly I, they can't stop me from sending them free mixes. So, okay, so you're forcing people that are fans of your comedy and podcast to listen to your mixes of techno music. Yeah, have you ever heard of another podcaster comedian who's decided to make a sharp turn into making music? It's happened before, 
and <laughs> it just happens that it's not always techno. It's usually like funky older guy rock. And now I'm just doing something different. Don't right. come, look, Tim. Tim Heidecker's a nice guy. I'm not going to let you <laughs> attack him on the okay, show. Okay, well, let me ask you this: as somebody who, so I used to be a DJ, and then I kind of stopped, and then I got into podcasting, and now that the podcast has has grown in popularity, I'm getting booked for gigs again. Are listeners of your podcast sending over avails for wedding sets, private parties, things like that? Are you being courted? Well, let me ask you when you say gig, because as you know, that what kind of music do you play? Gay house and rap music. Together? Some Not as much as I used to, but yeah. I mean, those are those are my, my two strong suits. Jason played a party, our, our after party the other night in New York, and it, I, w I would say that it's it's very good for any crowd, but it's still cool somehow. If that makes sense, it makes total sense and is difficult to do. I, I will say that there are gigs and then there are gigs. I do not wish to play <laughs> at a wedding for one of my podcast, my Patreon people. I wish okay. to play at a cool party. Uh, I, I, I want to, I want to be flown to Ibiza, and nobody is coming through with that gig right now. Okay. Uh, so maybe if you guys do another event. Go ahead and send the invite over. I will be thrilled to do it. Moshe B two B. Okay, this is yeah, this yeah, is good. You and Jason back to back would be great. Well, for I, me. nobody really wants to DJ a, a rave wedding for a podcast listener, but everyone's <laughs> got a price, though, right, Moshe? A hundred percent. I would. Okay. You know, it's funny you say that. I was looking at Cameo today I, because George Santos went on to Cameo, and I was very curious oh. what his rate was. His his profile has been pulled down. You know what? Hold on, that's unfair. I, I know how much he was offering. He was he was he was charging he was, was charging two hundred dollars, which seems criminally low. How can we stifle our creator after we we kicked him out of a job? He has no income. He's got to buy Hermes. His OnlyFans subscriptions are going to lapse <laughs> unless we get him the money he deserves. You know who's a gay house fan? If nobody else is Mr. George Santos. We can guarantee that's, that. That's he, a good Willie point. He, he loves Vocal House. No, but I <laughs> I wanted to see who, what people's rates were, and I saw certain people, It's there's a whole strategy. Certain people have made their rate um, artificially high so they don't get bothered to do it a lot, which is its own kind of flex, mm -hmm. and certain people have made it low, and certain people have less than 20 bookings, and that seemed like a really sad situation to be living with. Are you on, are you on Cameo? I have resisted, but then I was looking today and I thought, what is the counter argument? What, what are we, if not just shills for money, uh, using our personalities and entertainment? I, it doesn't seem like but a bad is it gonna, is it gonna, is it one of those things where it, it's like people that we would really not expect are the highest earners? I think irony is, is the stock in trade. I think the, the <laughs> podcast host is, is the closest you'll get to a sincere, like, I think you guys could nail it, mm -hmm. but I think uh, on the sincere tip. But on the real money-making tip, it's always going to be like a quirky. It's always going to be your Feldmans and your Santoses. You're all, mm. you know, that's what I want. They I let, want a hot. They let OJ do it or no? I didn't see OJ on there, but I didn't look. What I don't know what category he would be in. There was sports, uh, sports people, but there was no murderer. They didn't do a murderer. I was going to. <laughs> that's literally what I was going to say. I'm like, there's no murderer category. <laughs> to be honest, murderer would clean up. If there was a murderer category, oh, bro, I, if I could get the Menendez brothers to do a little shout out for Jason's birthday, yeah, oh, baby, there is a there is not to bring it back to my book, but there is a punk rock anecdote. Uh, I want to say two things about punk and and raves since you talk so much shit. First of all, do you know that John Johnny Rotten 
did an early techno track. Did you know this? Before Sex Pistols or before or during the pill? Post Sex Pistols and what was the other band he was in? Public P- Image Public or, Image Limited. P- public Pill, Public Image B- Limited. Before yeah. that, I think it was before that. But anyway, in the beginning, it's a ba- a, a song called Open Up by Left Field. Uh, and this mm, is yeah. early Rave Days track and it's John Lydon singing just sing, wailing and the, the punk rock and raves had more in common than they either of the groups would wish to admit in the early days because they were both like this anti-establishment like mm-hmm. fuck the fuck the man kind of thing oh i know i know many of i mean not just jason i know several people who have have dipped their their dicks in both of the waters you know but i i just don't it just always it just didn't seem cool to me that's all it's like you know that's it it's just a different whatever appeals to you, you i know? think that's what i love about it is you give in to the uncoolness about it usually with mm. the aid of drugs but it's it's a very freeing thing to make a fool yeah, of yourself yeah you know? that's true well, no, that I, I think you know punk has this ethic of like toughness and raves have this ethic of softness but they're both kind of trying to get you to the same place which is like detaching from Mm. broader society and saying fuck everything we're gonna like go so far in this direction of foolishness because to be honest like you know if you go far into the punk uh, aesthetic it's a little bit ridiculous and similarly in in raves oh yeah but here's the real anecdote from the book this has nothing to do with raves and nothing to do with uh with with the the crossover this is from the aa segment i was once in a in an aa meeting in hollywood uh, and a member, I don't even know who, I couldn't tell you who it was, but it was somebody from the, the, the Sex Pistols was the speaker. And he, Steve Jones, Steve Jones, for sure. I don't know. Could yeah, be. Steve. He was fucking, was he a, was he a big guy? He had, I think glasses on. I'm really not supposed to give you any, I'm not doing a thing. No, where I, I know. Couldn't. I know. No, he, I know. He's, he's famously a sober guy. Jones yeah. He talks about he it. Yeah. Okay, Steve Jones, punk rock yeah. legend in the meeting, legend. talking about texting during meetings, fucking neck veins bulging turning red going you don't it's fucking aa show some respect mate you don't text her in the goddamn meeting and it was the most unpunk rock sentiment i had ever heard i was like dying laughing like this is the least punk thing i have ever heard in my life as an old man wagging his finger at young people for texting this through is AA this is good you got this karen is... by by the sex pistols yeah. <laughs> right. this is good because i i, I wonder now is texting because you know people are definitely texting in church you know what i mean like yeah i'm sure they're texting in aa all the time that's the I name mean, of my next memoir actually texting in church it's good you can that's I mean, a freebie people are, are are sports betting in church nowadays the there's there's no more rules left actually speaking of steve jones and raving from the 90s i have a good story one time i dj'd a party for the chelsea football club <laughs> and steve jones was there it was like five people in the chelsea football club Steve Jones was one of the five people and I hung out with him because he was cool and it was me DJing opening for Paul Oakenfold in a private house in the Hollywood Hills and I took a selfie with Paul Oakenfold where we're the same height and I was sitting on my knees. (laughs) <laughs> and I look really bad in it. Otherwise, I'd be sharing it. Paul Oakenfold's an OG, by the way. He's a, he's an in- interesting guy that was around pre-rave in the in the earliest days of like just when disco was reformulating. And I want to pose to you that the fact that you think raving is lame it betrays a <laughs> um, a subconscious uh, a subconscious homophobia 
that you don't even know that you that you have. Mm. First of all, first of all, Moshe, I'm the gayest guy on this Zoom right now, so don't <laughs> fucking do that. <laughs> I didn't hear you supplicating my PR guy for a blowjob. You had your opportunity to prove yourself. <laughs> I know, I, I know, we just met, but the fact that you can't tell that I'm the gayest guy on this I'm Zoom sorry. is crazy. Right, well, you ahead. see my wall. I mean, you see my wallpaper. The fact that you could even deign to say you're gayer than me on this Zoom is really disrespectful. That's a good. That's actually a good point. It, that's, it takes that's a gayer man a to point. judge your wallpaper than to install it. You know what I mean? That's, there that's is true. nothing <laughs> gayer than letting your wife pick the wallpaper. It's true. That's true, fellas. Fellas. But the 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 I, I, I'm not going to say raves aren't lame because I obviously identify that they are. Uh, in in a way, I understand where you're coming from with that analysis. Um, but in the early early days of disco, disco was becoming like. Uh, really popular and everybody was listening to it. Saturday Night Fever started to take over disco. And all of a sudden they started to, um, there started to be this backlash, which was people getting angry that like this kind of gay black music form was sort of starting to take over the, the airwaves of young, of young listeners. This is in the seventies. Disco sucks. Disco sucks. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So they did this like this this morning radio DJ, which is if nothing else, what podcasters are is morning radio DJs. That's my dream. Um, that's my yeah, dream. So we all dream of. So I want to be the man cow of the podcasting world. Actually, do you, do you know anybody over at K Rock? Jason and I are kind of looking to take over. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I we're the new Kevin. And, we're the new. We're the new Kevin and Bean. You can see it. Podcasters uh, get paid a lot more money than Kevin and Bean do nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, that's so interesting. That basically being a, a radio DJ but without any FCC interference and without any real quality control <laughs> has completely mm -hmm. taken over the genre. No, you guys, you, you guys are wrong. Kevin and Bean are making a lot more money than we realize as because they're legacy and they have that. That's not the only reason if we went in as, if you went in as a new radiant, like I'm doing overnights, you're making minimum wage. It does sound like a sure. fun way to make minimum wage, though. Oh yeah, twelve. To, I'm doing the twelve to drive time. Think of the camaraderie with your crew. Oh, oh man, <laughs> just living in just living in the eye of a quiet storm. Think about that. I can't even afford my my one bedroom in Culver. <laughs> <laughs> Dare to dream, dude. I was just that. I just took my daughter to medieval times last week. Speaking oh. of Dare to Dream. And I was expecting to go there ironically. I think like everybody that goes to medieval times, I went there ironically and I left sincerely. Um, mm -hmm. And I, the performers at medieval times are not uh, weird nerds. They are extreme artists. I mean, they are so good. They're leaping, doing triple, quadruple somersaults off of like they're they're show horses. They're, they're pro wrestlers. This is, what are they making? I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. And are they happy? They're definitely not happy do you, th you think it's like a like a the wrestler style of lifestyle where they gotta like they gotta chew their clonopins and chase it down with a bottle of jack yeah. every night kind of thing yeah definitely for minimum wage but but there's no there's no upstream to a better life with with medieval times right well this is it's this this, this is very similar to like d people who play characters at disney it's like you're an actor or an actor you whatever but it didn't really pan out no but, but it's can, different it's different because at disney you go you're in a cinderella costume you wave okay you can wave i could fucking wave i could be cinderella right <laughs> now i got the look these people are not just some random That's person. True. These are like equestrian magicians <laughs> who are doing full strength swings of a steel broadsword with sparks flying off of it. They had to study. Uh, so mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're in a different category of expertise. They, they, had, the blade. To, they had to stay. Yeah. They, <laughs> they went the way of the blade. They know they did. So it's, it's one of our, our last great 
selfless hobbies and passions because like i mean there's no way they're making uh, you know more money than somebody who's like an assistant manager at in and out right well i gotta get i would like to get to the bottom of it i paid a hundred dollars i sat in the cheap seats i made a mistake um and in fact i sat in the cheap seats because i googled uh is it worth it to get the VIP upgrade package? And everybody said no. But then I realized, who is it that's chiming in on this? Broke you know? people. Broke, Broke people. people. So I should have sprung because I looked <laughs> down at, at the real nobility down on the floor. M Moshe, you work, you work too hard to be with the general population. <laughs> you're you know damn what I mean? right. And, and let me kind of lift you up right now. Thank you. I mean, yeah. you're, you're above going to Buena Park if I can keep it a buck with you. <laughs> Just the entire community. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't yeah, yeah. be even seen in the community. So I'm sitting in the nosebleeds <laughs> at medieval times, and my daughter, and they do this thing that that all these family things do, which is they do like an up, uh, an up, multiple upsell uh, um, mm -hmm. tours. You know, they'll they'll come by with a flag. You want a flag, and then you got to look at your daughter mm. and go, "We no flag." And then they come by with <laughs> glowing things, and you got to look at your daughter and go, "We can't no glowing things." So they come by with the glowing thing, and I go and I say, "Okay, how much?" And they're like $11. I go, okay, honey, I'll get you this glowing flower. And I reach into my pocket and I, I realize that I don't have my wallet. It's in the car. I don't have my credit card. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. I don't have my credit card. Can I Ven Do you take Venmo? And the person's like, no, of course not, uh, my lord. <laughs> and then the family next to us like puts a hand on my shoulder and goes, it's okay. We've got it. We know how it is. We have daughters too. And I go, no, no, I got money. Can I Venmo you? And they're like, no. And they've already done the transaction. And then they offered us cake. They offered us the cake upgrade because they had gotten cake for the birthday party. And I'm like, I'm trying to explain, like, I'm thrifty. Like, if this is a thrift thing. I, go I Googled it. I I'm jealous of the, v but anyway, they were very nice. Even though I do think they thought I was like a, a poor single dad that was like, you know, trying to do something special for my daughter. You should have leaned into it. You should have really leaned into it and, and played the character of, of, of single dad down on his luck. Just, yeah. Do, do you have any any employment opportunities lined up at all? Because like, <laughs> things are not going well. So you, you said you're in construction. I don't know if there's anything <laughs> that you need help with. But well, I will say this. It was so touching. Because the news cycle, I don't know if you've been reading the news cycle lately, but everything feels so unfathomably toxic that you start to like full, full lose faith in humanity, mm -hmm. that it was so touching that this random family in Buena Park was just like offering me cake and buying my daughter a glowing flower. It like actually, it really was an emotional experience that like renewed in a very small way, some of my faith in humanity. Paying it forward. It is, it is quite beautiful. And if that happened to me, I would probably be overcome with, with emotion. And then I would maybe show them my a screenshot of my business checking or something just to flex on them or something. <laughs> I like, guess to remind oh, them. I I mean, it's, that's clearly a oh, screenshot from a different phone. I left my I left my wallet in the car. Let me pull up my car key. And it's just a nice Range Rover, like a big Range Rover key. You know, you could have... What I did... There's so many ways well, to Well, I turned to him, actually, and I go, um, you know the Champs podcast? You know what fumbling the bag is? <laughs> like, so there was a moment where this could have gone in a very different... I could have owned this Medieval Times. And they're like, oh, yeah, I love Blocks. What a great pod. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're... You were with Black Sky? Oh, I love Black. Yeah, he killed it. Um, and I'll actually speaking of of them good old days on the pod, 
Um, I would be remiss to not bring up maybe my favorite moment of yours, your your Stephen Hawking impression. Oh, racist Stephen Hawking, a classic. Racist Stephen Hawking. True I'm not saying you should do it. I'm not saying you should. Do I haven't it, I haven't done know. Stephen Hawking in a long time. Okay, but he could. He would say something like, he would say something like, um, uh, Chris, when you said raves were lame, I agreed with you. Because I too do not like any form of music that has African American roots. Something like that. He would do something like that. Funk rock. Funk rock. Funk rock. Funk rock is our thing, brother. Have you? You know who I like in the punk world is Screwdriver. I. They speak to the reality of the that they're trying to replace us. Kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, still got it. God yeah, still, still got God it, baby. It. Still got it. For all these years. That is a cool image of <laughs> Stephen Hawking at a screwdriver concert, but as a major fan. Yeah, like now he's in the front, and they're kind of protecting <laughs> him. And he's right, right up front. He's right up front. Getting knocked over so. yeah. by the well, mosh pit. You know, he's, he, he can handle it. You know, I yeah. think he can handle it. Um, Resilience. Speaking of of uh, maybe different cultures that are not loved by the masses you did you did a pretty good job i'm i'm always really curious to hear like smart people who go to burning man not necessarily defend it but like explain if you want to say raves are lame i mean burning <laughs> man doesn't just make people roll their eyes it makes them like spit on the floor like a curse yeah. like they fucking hate it mm-hmm. and i get it i really get it it's like like the deepest like when when things got flooded this year like it was like the i'd never seen schadenfreude on that level <laughs> like people were like fucking apoplectic with like glee they were just like the glee that they were experiencing that anything theoretically could have been going it, it, wrong it went for it us went up to there that point where people really were like, it, it got to the point where the celebrations were too loud and people started to be like there are people dying. Like, there are people dying. Like, I know you guys think this is funny, but there are people dying. I, I think that, you know, Burning Man is really interesting because um, it's interesting on its face, but it's also interesting in, in that it, more than any of the scenes I wrote about, is a creature from a different time. And I think that's why people hate it so hard is because this idea of, like, going to the desert for nothing more than like to experience an extreme version of reality and then set fire to like a you know a small uh, unhoused village worth of uh, fresh perfectly good lumber as like a it's nothing but i just need to be <laughs> free to do this is so antithetical to like the currents that are uh, that are happening in society today like mm-hmm. it's so irresponsible it's so uh, um uh uh, unacceptable and 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 unjustifiable that it's like and it's so gen x wildly gen x it's almost kind of turned right-wing conservative in a lot of ways y- yeah it's, it's like it's like a capitalist explosion when it started out as a the antithesis of that well, and it's like it, it i would say even further it's like this like libertarian kind of like yeah yeah, yeah. libertarian lost boys hey 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 hey. (laughs) like don't tread on me okay Okay, i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm so sorry not on the playa not here uh not in my name (laughs) well I, i i wanted to know like because it is this event of a bygone era that is having a little bit of a tougher time nowadays uh is is there hope is there a way like if if somebody you know if like the burning man congress hit you up and they're like 
Moshe, how do we save? How do we fix? How do we turn this this train around? What would you do to fix Burning Man and bring it back to its original, you know, ethics and roots and everything? No, nothing. It's it's the it's the cycle of things. It doesn't have nothing. I, it's it's it is doomed to become mm-hmm. obsolete and lame. It just is. It's like. But then, do we put a bullet in it and 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 kill it, or do we let it? Well, I mean, I think like I think people's rage around burning man rage is maybe the wrong word but just their like extreme antipathy towards mm-hmm. it is also yeah, sure. a, oh, an yeah, extremely sure. kind of immature reaction mm-hmm. to people just having a good time and 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 trying to like listen life is like so filled with uh a meaningless feeling of like emptiness and ennui that like for people to do anything that makes them feel alive regardless if it's like super lame and this whole carbon argument is like hogwash (laughs) it's like bullshit you know what it reminds me because that's a current argument is like uh oh oh how how can you justify this your carbon footprint it's like oh are you not are you not shopping at target or are you are you not taking commercial air travel while you send the tweet that that <laughs> uh, demonizes people for going to burning man it reminds me a lot of foie gras mm. and i will explain I'm like listening. foie gras to me the bands on foie gras that took place in uh, certain things i think washington and san francisco were nothing but people attempting to uh, assuage mm-hmm. their own guilt about participating in the horrors of factory farming and meat consumption period that they go this this meat this meat is the bad meat (laughs) this meat here is the all i do i eat i eat the animal that they send a bolt into its brain skin it while still alive sometimes (laughs) slice it into things and then it gets sent to my air one but this meat this is bad meat like i don't find everything is a climate fucking nightmare and I don't find one climate nightmare versus Look, another to be particularly accurate. How else is Diplo going to get there? Do you know, no. you know what I mean? Like, how else? He's got to fly private. <laughs> well, what? If, okay, so if everyone, everyone's main complaint is like now that it's been taken over by the tech yuppie billionaires who have ruined it and it's no longer about the original, you know, aspects of it. What if you instated a, a guest list where people just have to submit? And then you have to be interviewed. Yeah, it's like Soho House. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like love Soho. It. Nothing, yeah, yeah. nothing says post-apocalyptic utopia more <laughs> than than the the policies of Soho well, House. <laughs> take a page out of Soho's book. I mean, unfortunately, I would say like uh, like a Bergheim style door policy, but I, I think it does need to be something deeper, like a like a real actual interview. Yeah. with somebody to develop like. You know, it's not based on looks. It's not based on money. It's like, are you a good person with a good soul? Do you have lots of money still? Come on. I okay. Well, I will say in in the book I make the argument, and I and I and I think it's true um, that tech tech didn't infiltrate Burning Man and ruined it. Tech has been at Burning Man since the early nineties, and 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 has it has been a steady a steady feature of that culture. Mm-hmm. What happened is not that uh, that tech made Burning Man lame. It's that tech got lame, mm-hmm. and they were just there. And then they had all this money that they were able mm-hmm. to affect their kind of lame awfulness onto uh, the culture at Burning Man. Tech used to be like 
uh, as much a subculture as anything else. It used to be this counterculture, weird group of people that were like trying to change the world. And then they became billionaires and billionaires are not who you want kind of like um, molding the culture at the top of your of your kind <laughs> of uh, counterculture sub sub world. So that's part of the problem. So if you're asking me, how do I if I could take over Burning Man? and I have an unlimited budget to make it try to become cool again, I think it's sort of not possible. I think it jumped the shark a long time ago and we're watching it slowly ember out. It's still, by the way, as cool, like the coolest party I think that I could recommend. It is really fun. And anybody that's listening and- Okay, all right, Moshe, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Um, it's, it's been great. I'm just saying, uh, it's been great. listen, every time somebody tells me how lame Burning Man is, I've been going since 1996. I used to work there. I've been going since I was 16 years old. I've seen it from what it was, the wild shit, where people were literally dying expert. all the way until what it is now, which is a very sanitized, very kind of like- uh, glittery version of what it once was. And I still think it's about as much fun as a person can have on any given week. Mm. Anytime someone tells me that Burning Man is like lame or sucks, I always say the same thing. I go, oh, you've been and you didn't like it. I've never, no one's ever been like, yes, I've been, mm. been and I didn't like it. Listen, definitely not. I'm sure someone has been and didn't like it, but the demographic <laughs> of people that hate it, I would say is a, is a solid circle of people that have never been and just think it kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. Totally. Who that? Totally. All right. That's it. Oh, wait. That really is all the time we have. Okay. Well, I, I was it. I was joking, but it's also all the time we have. That's also all the time we have. No, but uh, was great. honestly, it's it's uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um, and uh, thank you for taking the time. And the book is out next year. The book comes out January thirtieth. It's available for pre order right now. And I'm doing like a weird event for people that pre order, where I get because there's six subcultures. Um, I do. Uh, I'm getting six moderators uh, to do like an online event for people that can't make it to meet me on on book tour. Um, and we've got a lot of really exciting people for Jews. We have Alex Edelman from the Just for uh, Us, uh, the Broadway show. Uh, Max Greenfield is doing the recovery portion. Atsuko uh, is doing stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be just a lot of fun. And I, I would love for people to pre-order and get that shit. Also, I'm doing a bunch of stand-up so people can find me on on my they know where to find you. Yeah, yeah. and if anyone, answer. I have, uh, I have the book as well. If anyone wants to buy mine, or yeah, you or, could do like a audio version thing. or something. You could do an audio book. You have the podcasting equipment. Just read the book. You said it went quickly. Yeah, I'll give you. You'll get a taste of it. Don't worry, brother man. Okay, he'll get some Spotify style royalties. For if that. I could make a suggestion, <laughs> and maybe you do the audio book while my publicist sucks your dick like the whole time. That could be a cool that's concept good. audio book. That's that's going to be a goon sesh. My voice will become more timid with every page. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's a disgusting <laughs> thought. Thank you, Moshe. <laughs> a lot of throat clearing. Yeah, Moshe, thank you so much. We're both really huge fans. Yeah, we man. appreciate you taking the time. A pleasure talking to you, man. We'll see you soon, thank bro. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wagwan. Well,